Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Most of my life I've been pretty good at a lot of things. Not really willing to devote myself with the time and attention and energy that it takes to become an expert at a particular thing. For example, when I was in high school, I tried to do everything. And I think this is true of a lot of teenagers. You know, I've been coaching lacrosse at the high school, and this is actually a conversation that I have pretty frequently with other coaches and players to how are you supposed to figure out who you're going to be and what you're going to be great at when you're so young. It's just kind of impossible. And it feels like something that needs to be accomplished that early. And I really felt that when I was in high school, I tried to be competitive in soccer and lacrosse and competitive horse riding, which I realize makes me sound like that guy. And I guess in some ways I am, but I was doing soccer and lacrosse and horse riding, and I was in the theater program, and I was just sort of spread all over the place while also trying to maintain some sense of a social life outside of those things and be a decent member of my family. And I'm sure my family could tell you that I wasn't always great at being a, a wonderful part of the family, and my social life got spread really thin, and I ended up being really okay at each of those things, which meant that my soccer coach, when I was um, really still pretty young, it was a sophomore, my soccer coach sat me down um, after a day at tryouts and he said, Patrick, you need to decide whether you're going to play soccer or lacrosse. You can't do it all. And at the time, I remember being like kind of disoriented by that, um, that challenge at all. I remember feeling like I had to do all of those things. It wasn't really an option for me. And it felt like this strange freedom to be able to decide what I wanted to do. But it also meant like it felt like I was shutting the door on something else when I really just wanted to learn how to be better at soccer while also being able to do everything else that I wanted to do, while also learning how to do better in my classes in school and learning how to memorize my lines better in theater and learning how to uh, play lacrosse and ride my horse and find ways to do all these things. And I remember leaving the room without really even responding aside from just like, yeah, okay, coach, thanks. And I sort of went about the rest of my day and that question stuck with me um, for a while. And eventually at the end of soccer tryouts, I went and talked to my soccer coach and told him that I was going to quit soccer. And it was really hard because I had good friends on the soccer team, but I needed to focus my attention in the place where I felt most capable of thriving. So I turned my attention pretty specifically to lacrosse. And then the next year I ended up um, cutting out the horse riding. And then the next year I ended up cutting out theater. And then eventually I went to college to play lacrosse, but it took a lot 
of time and attention. Same thing's been true during the pandemic. Um, I've always been someone who loves to start a hobby and not always someone who likes to become an expert at a hobby. So uh, throughout the pandemic, I've taken on different little things. Like I wanna, I wanna learn how to draw. So I tried that for a little while. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to learn how to speak Spanish. And then I tried that and failed miserably. I need to put more intention behind that. Um, and then I moved on and I decided I was going to learn how to carve uh, wooden figurines and I did that for a while and those were pretty cool. So um, I still do that a little bit, but I moved on again and decided I want to work with bigger pieces of wood and ended up getting a bunch of really cool free 1970s uh, uh, woodworking tools and I've been playing with those and messing with those and still trying to get those uh, honed in to make accurate cuts every time. It's a work in progress, but suffice to say I've not become an expert in any one of these categories because I like to be sort of good at everything. And in order for me to become great at any one of these things, I would need to make a change in my life. I've been reading um, a book called Leadership on the Line, and it's a really challenging, in a, in a good way, a really challenging book about the need to differentiate a technical change from an adaptive change. Throughout this pandemic, most of us have been forced to adapt in some ways, but we've seen those adaptations as technical rather than adaptive. So what I mean when I say technical rather than adaptive is that we've tried to come up with a simple stabilizing solution that doesn't change anything about our lives. Right, like, okay, if I'm gonna continue to go out to the restaurant or out to the grocery store or whatever the case may be, I need a new task, I will put my mask on and that will be okay. Or I will follow the CDC guidelines around when and how to get vaccinated and that will be okay. All of us have learned how to follow different rules at different stages, but many of us are also carrying the same amount of stress and anxiety that's been built up over the last several years because we continue to try to find ways to rebuild the life that we used to have with some technical changes within the lives that we're living now. We wish that we could do the things that we used to do, so we try to just change small habits rather than allowing ourselves to take a step back and make a more adaptive change to our lives in order to thrive in new circumstances. This has really been on my mind a lot lately, in part because I'm coaching at the high school again. I'm coaching girls lacrosse, which is a ton of fun, but it means we have a lot of conversations about this. In fact, I had a conversation earlier this week about what to do when, um, you know, as a high schooler, you're passionate about two different sports, but you need to get a scholarship in order to go to a university. How do you throw all of your time and attention into one sport when you love two? It's hard work and it can't be fixed with a technical glitch. You can't just go to this practice on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and another practice on Tuesday, Thursday. That won't actually fix the problem. The problem is that in order to become great enough to be able to make it to a certain level in athletics or in any area of work, you have to change the way that you orient your life, cutting out the things that get in the way, even if that thing sometimes might be a sport that you love. It's hard, it's painful, it's, yeah, it's painful. There's no way around that. 
And while that's true in athletics and every other sort of hobby or um, life passion that we pick up, it's also true in our walk of faith. Over the last couple of weeks, I have had more conversations than I ever have trying to figure out why at this point in life, people are feeling more distant from God than they ever have in their life before. I've seen more posts online of, from folks in our church, maybe even you who I'm speaking to now, who have described this feeling of over the last couple of months or over the last couple of years, feeling more and more distant from God. The more you try to do the things that you used to do, the further you feel from God. And I just want to say that that is painful. It's hard. There's no way to lessen that to something else. It just is. The seasons of life where we feel distant from God are always painful, are always challenging. Any season where we're trying, where we're moving from who we once were to who we might be is painful. And every time we're in the midst of that transition from what was to what might be, there's a sense of weight on our shoulders that we have to accomplish it ourselves, which is crazy. Our faith isn't a personal project. It's a communal project for us to work on together, guided by God, guided by the Spirit, so that we deepen in relationship with one another as we deepen in faith with God. It's never just about you, never just about me. It's about us. And so over the last couple of years, where the definition of us is shifting, it makes all the sense in the world why faith would feel like it's slipping, because so many of our old habits relied on a different way of being with one another. So again, if you're in that place, I am so sorry, but you are certainly not alone, not in carrying the sense of doubt, the sense of distance from God, but you're also not alone in carrying that burden. I hope you can turn to the church, even me personally, to talk through these big questions because the difficult reality is that your relationship with God can't be fixed with a technical glitch, a technical solution. It has to be about an adaptive change. This is really the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Nicodemus is a, uh, he's essentially the first century equivalent of a pastor. He's a, a rabbi, and he comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness, Scripture says, so, you know, sort of privately, secretly, secretively, and comes to Jesus and affirms Jesus and the work that he's doing, but also asks Jesus what technical changes need to be made in his life in order for him to be assured that he is living in the kingdom that Jesus is describing. And Jesus doesn't give him a list of habits, doesn't give him a list of um, practices that he might pick up. He doesn't do anything technical. He tells Nicodemus, you have to be born again, born anew. 
born from above, which confuses Nicodemus uh, as much as it might confuse you. He says like, yeah, but okay, Jesus, adults can't be born again, right? Like sort of stating the obvious, like adults have already been born. There's no way to be reborn. We already did that. And what Jesus does is he reframes that whole question and gives Nicodemus a window into what the kingdom is. It's about being reborn. And in the period of birth, there is always a gestational period. Birth doesn't happen by accident or out of nowhere. There's a season of time where what will be is not yet there, but what will be is being promised. And that's where we stand as people of faith now. What we were is not what we will be. But what we are now is also not what we will be. We're in a gestational period where new birth is on the horizon, but we are being clarified. We are being simplified. We are being called into something greater than ourselves. And if we allow ourselves to be swept up in this journey, to let go of the things that hold us back, whether they be good or bad or painful or joyful baggage, if we're able to hold those things lightly, we might be able to experience this gestational period as graceful so that as Jesus and God continue to work in our lives, we might be reborn again. And when that rebirth happens, it doesn't happen just once and then everything's fine. We continue to be called back into our history, into our baggage, into our pain. And if we live as though we are new people reborn in the spirit, we're able to hold those things in tension. And the pain doesn't distract us from God. The pain reminds us of God's power in our lives. That we could get past that that we could transcend that. The pain doesn't lessen, but we're able to hold it with soft hands, trusting that it does not define me. It doesn't hold me. It doesn't keep me from becoming what I was called to be, but instead God calls us to something greater. And rather than all of this baggage defining us, it's the openness, the vision, the clarity of what God will do that ends up defining us as people of faith. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness, he comes as someone bearing baggage, a baggage of a religious institution that clearly has not served him well, but he feels beholden to it. And he's trying to learn how to live as a person of faith, following in Jesus's footsteps, even when it is not safe enough for him to do it during the day. And it takes Nicodemus what we might assume to be three years where he's following slowly, quietly, secretively behind Jesus until Jesus's crucifixion, and Nicodemus is the one who allows his own burial plot to be used to house the body of Christ until resurrection. Nicodemus isn't reborn once and finally. We don't see a clear picture of that. What we see is a three-year process of him learning how to let go of a baggage that once had him restricted and undercover, and allowed him eventually to be able to step out into the light of day, naming his faith, naming his commitment to Christ, and offering his own place for Christ to use. When we talk about new birth, when we talk about new life, when we talk about resurrection, we mean 
that the worst parts, the, the most shadowy, the most overcast, the most painful parts of our lives are not the things that define us. They may define a season of our lives, but instead what defines us is our capacity to endure that pain, the weight of that baggage, long enough to be able to hold it loosely and step into a life that can hold this pain lightly and offer it up to God as we seek something greater. Not just for you, not just for me, but for all of us who call ourselves people of faith. If you're in a season of doubt, you are not alone. If you're in a season of pain, you are not alone. If you feel like you are carrying the weight of your shoulders, you are not alone. But I promise the conviction of our faith is that that experience will not be the defining quality of your life. My prayer is that you might learn to hold these things lightly enough to acknowledge them for what they are, offering them up to God, so that all of us might be able to step out of that shadow into the light of Christ with a new perspective that allows us to live a life of grace, a life of peace, a life of hope, because we know we have learned endurance, and we can demonstrate that endurance to the people around us so that they too might learn endurance and all of us might learn more day by day to live into the fruits of God's spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You are beloved, even if you do not feel it right now, I hope you can trust me when I say God loves you and is willing to carry that burden with you if you could just unclench your fist. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.